Whenever there is inspiration, which translates as in spirit, and enthusiasm, which means in God, there is a creative empowerment that goes far beyond what a mere person is capable of. So that's a quote I've often repeated to people from the German author and teacher Eckhart Tolle. And it comes from his book, which many people know, uh, New Earth. Uh, my name is John Fanning, and this is the Create With John Fanning podcast. How's it going? I uh, hope you're all doing well out there, uh, especially now that we seem to have vaccines coming. Um, so this is episode 28 uh, my series of episodes on the imagination based around my book Create and last time I spoke about acceptance and change but today I want to get into talking about inspiration and then a little bit about rituals and habits as such so I suppose the best place to start would be to try and ask the question what exactly is inspiration and then we know what that is then how are we supposed to actually get inspired so i suppose first perhaps we need to look at the word itself inspiration like eckhart tolle did in that quote i read at the beginning um saying that it was in spirit but to get more academic first uh, i'm going to turn to the oxford english dictionary uh, which has this to say about the noun inspiration so the process of being mentally stimulated to do or feel something, especially to do something creative, the quality of being inspired, especially when evident in something, a person or thing that inspires, a sudden brilliant creative or timely idea, the divine influence believed to have led to the writing of the Bible, the drawing in of breath, inhalation, an act of breathing in. So, so whatever you, uh, we, we taught that, or whatever you taught that noun meant, whatever I taught that noun meant, there's probably a few more things uh, we need to understand about it. So literally from the Latin, inspiration means to breathe into, from the verb inspirare. So breath is life, and the creative life comes true inspiration as Carl Jung writes about this in his autobiography when he remembers carving wood in the 1920s uh, here's a bit of what he wrote only while I was doing this work did the unconscious supply me with a name it called the figure Atma Victu the breath of life it was a further development of that fearful tree of my childhood dream which is now revealed as the breath of life, the creative impulse. So the artist, uh, the creator, which then breeds in the inspiration, the breath of life, then goes into, if it's, if it's young, then it's into the wood carving 
or a musician into an instrument or invention uh, from an inventor or onto a page or canvas from a writer or an artist. So, And then from a biblical sense, you could say God breathed life into the world or into worlds as such. You know, so, so this kind of talk about inspiration makes a lot of people, especially writers and artists that I used to meet and still do now, but uh, they've, they've met... It can, it's like a, it's like a thump to the head. It's like you're they're thumping the head off the wall. A lot of the time they see inspiration as anything, but um, magical, like a magical process. Instead, they call it uh, only a part or even irrelevant to the creative process. The American writer William Faulkner once said, "I only write when I am inspired." Fortunately, I am inspired at nine o'clock every morning. And this kind of ties in with what I want to talk about ritual in a little while. But if you were to go online and you could find countless writers and articles and creative people commenting in much the same vein as Faulkner, you know, saying that the creative process is almost mechanical, like uh, like a mechanic greasing, greasing uh, his car, you know, E.B. White, or an engineer thinking about an engineering problem problem uh, like Doris Lessing so yes getting to that inspired point is work um, putting your posterior on the seat or standing in front of that canvas but if it it is then that means we cannot get there um, or couldn't it be both at the same time work as well as allowing inspiration or spirit to come into us. And then there's a, a bit by Stendhal I wanted to quote as well. Uh, he says something, something on this, along the same lines. Um, yeah, had I mentioned to someone around 1795 that I had planned to write, anyone with any sense would have told me to write for two hours every day, with or without inspiration. Their advice would have enabled me to benefit from the 10 years of my life I totally wasted waiting for inspiration. <laughs> so, of course, you know, this is easier said than done. The the mental walls of procrastination and joy waiting instead of uh, working, you know. And, you know, it's a very frustrating process. The American writer Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this a lot. Um how frustrating the process can be. And instead of using uh, the word inspiration, though, she replaces it with the word genius, um, uh, referring back to the Romans and the idea of genius. And when she talks about her creative pro process, she talks about it as not so much, she doesn't see, as she would say, I'm not a, I'm not a pipeline. Um, and then the quote where she says, I'm a mule, and the way that I have to work is that I have to get up at the same time every day and sweat and labor, labor and barrel through it really awkwardly. But even if I, in my mulishness, even if I have brushed up against that thing at times, and I would imagine that a lot of you have too, you know, even I have had work or ideas come through me from a source that I honestly cannot identify. And what is that thing? And how are we to relate to it in a way that will not make us lose our minds, but, in fact, might actually keep us sane? 
So to get inspired, we need to make time, find space and be consistent and have the intention to find inspiration or stumble across inspiration by doing the work. Because only then does inspiration come when when we're not expecting it. In but in a time frame when we've decided to work. And also if we put in the work it will will come to us when we we aren't working too. Um, because we've opened our minds or whatever it is you want to describe inside your body or outside it um uh, we've opened ourselves so that when we're walking, as I talked about for Nietzsche and others, or daydreaming or doing yoga, then it comes. But if we haven't opened ourselves to the work daily or some form of routine or consistency, then those flashes, those like lightning strikes of inspiration, can't come as often when because you're not in front of the canvas or the computer or the blank page and you've trained your consciousness and body to understand that this is what you're doing. Um, so this kind of leads me to just ask the question about why why we don't talk about inspiration more. It seems to be like a almost a dirty word, you know? So um, it was funny because I, I, I asked a scientist once, he actually was a physicist, who came to our retreat in France, um, La Muse. Again, any of you coming to the podcast on this episode, uh, that's the retreat myself and my wife, Kerry, ran for nearly 20 years in the south of France. Anyway, one um, summer, this physicist, physicist <laughs> told me, uh, people don't talk about inspiration because they've become so bogged down in science not what he called the spirit of science, which kind of surprised me, you know. There's, here's a scientist talking about spirit and specifically the spirit of science. And he went on to say how all the great physicists and scientists he knew or had come across were some of the most inspired creators he'd ever met, but that unfortunately science had took ownership of them when they were dead, forgetting... Uh, you know, the imaginative leaps they'd, they'd had to take to arrive at their new creations, their new imaginations uh, of the world. So, and I still remember him smiling and saying, uh, you know, we should all be inspired, as inspired as Einstein. And, quote, and he had a quote that he used uh, from Einstein, as like, live life as if everything is a miracle. You know, so... The miraculous is, um, it's difficult for people, especially for uh, the academic-minded. Um, academia is very suspicious of anything miraculous, uh, and the scientists as well. But whether they trust it in it or not, uh, inspiration exists, just like quarks, for example, exist in, in science. And like a quark, every time you look at it, it disappears. So you can be an agnostic or an atheist or an evangelist, <laughs> but the thing to understand is inspiration exists. It's just, it just is. It's fun. It's, it is. So from, I suppose from my own experience and the experiences of the majority of the creators I've met, that, you know, ineffable flow is there. And the last thing you want to do is, and the last thing many creators ever want to do is to analyze it. 
it's there, it's beautiful, and it serves a purpose. And it's just not talked about because it's, it is ineffable, you know. People do not like to talk about that, which is ineffable. But so the problem arises when people start to try to quantify it because it's never quantifiable. So that's why when you ask creators how they came up with what they created, they kind of look at you and say, well, that's just where that bit went. Or that's what seemed right at the time. Or that's where it fit. So they'll tell you a part of where it came from, what event or moment inspired it, where they, they came up with it, but not exactly where it came from. And this is why a lot of creators are resistant uh, to even the word inspiration, like Faulkner earlier, as they don't like to question their process, where their inspiration comes from. They get uncomfortable, which is kind of ironic because that in itself is they, you know, they would say stuff like, you know, that breaking their juju or their, uh, the magic of, of their inspiration, you know? So they know it's there, but they don't want to talk about it. So a lot of the time they think, uh, it'll take away their magic, the magic, the, the, the mystery of the process. And so it jinx their creative flow by talking about it. So I you know, it's, it, the, the, the questions are always there. Like, where did the painting come from or the idea or the song or the line or the invention? Or, and people can remember where they were walking or who you were talking to or what they were doing, you know, if they had some idea, but but exactly where it came from, they don't know. There's no answer to that. There's no answer that seems compatible with everyone except that it comes from somewhere. That little voice, that light bulb moment, you know. So you never know where it's coming from except that it comes from within you and not by thinking about it, by, but by just being in the zone or meditating on it. And that really comes from a daily practice or a practice. Um, and a process and then it just appears so I suppose you know no matter how resistant you are or are not to the word then I suppose a, a lot of people will actually use different words not to actually have anything to do with you know jinxing their creativity as such so I suppose we all have to ask what's our word for inspiration because, you know, whether you're Freudian or a Jungian or a agnostic or whatever it is you're into or believe in or trust, um, there is always a wording that describes this. You know, as I mentioned Jung earlier, he would call it the numinous um, or the unconscious. Somebody else would call it the unconscious or just thinking or meditating or if you're more religious It'd be contemplating, you know, that kind of Aristotelian thing. But so countless creators have, you know, been inspired by uh, objects as well. Well, not so much objects, but but ideas like the muses, like very much like what we did with our retreat. Oh, every room was named after a muse because of all this idea, you know. And then others, it's God or the unconscious with a capital U or Mother Earth, you know. So the noun doesn't matter or nouns don't matter. What matters is that we know what it is. And, you know, personally, I, the word I use to describe it is inspiration. And that's why I call this 
inspiration this 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 episode um uh, to you it could be mind or a higher power or the universe or quantum mechanics or it could be bleeding unicorns you know <laughs> it doesn't matter as long as it's yours and you know there's so many creators out there that they have their own language for it you know blake who i talked about many times before is a you know he has his whole his, his own world of language for his own world his own creative world his own system as he called it so but for him the idea of inspiration is what he called the holy spirit and again it's that word spirit as he put it i myself do nothing the holy spirit accomplishes all through me so for 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 him that's the word or words the holy spirit that which he is divorced from his daily routine as such uh, for Brahms the word was God uh, for Oscar Wilde it was the stars looking up at them you know we're all in the gutter but some of us are looking at the stars that famous quote of his from Red and Gold you know um, so the spiritual or the ineffable in contemporary society has kind of it's kind of been co-opted um, kind of like, like I was talking about the, like the word creativity which I talked about in earlier episodes. It's been co-opted by like, I don't know, like part-time yogis or meditation experts or motivational coaches, to mention a few. And they talk about spirit and spirituality as something special and precious and unattainable. But to me, real spirit and spirituality is found in inspiration. And we have to reclaim this word of spirit or of inspiration because when someone says to me i was inspired to dot 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 invent or write or build or cook or crochet then i know i'm listening to something deeper than thoughts deeper than emotions i'm listening to someone who's inspired and i love being around inspired people because you know they make me want to create even more they they energize me with their inspiration um literally and figuratively so it's important just to notice the verb not just the noun when somebody's uh in the action of being saying what inspired them or inspires them and you know uh like like with nietzsche it could be for me walking in the woods when a chapter idea comes to me or it could be just cooking for my family when i realize what a character is supposed to do and of course as i said before that comes from a routine of sitting in the seat every day doing the hour or two hours for a project and then when you're not doing it just kind of when you're not in the seat but doing the cooking or the walking then something comes to you oh that character does this or uh that chapter goes there so um so it could be cooking it could be walking could be anything so it's a joyful experience as if a weight gets lifted uh a sigh of relief inside as such and oftentimes i'll actually take a deep breath and sigh and smile you know so um and then i grab a notebook before it disappears so i can document or write it down you know because it's not coming from me it's coming from somewhere else like the holy spirit as a <laughs> blake called it um so it can also just come in the most bizarre ways too doesn't necessarily have to be the 
It could even be the impetus of creating something. You know, you get like a <laughs> a message as such, you know. Like I talked about the wonderful Stefan Hassel in one of my first episodes. Uh, was Why create and what is a creator? Uh, when talking about how important it is to create. And, you know, maybe I should repeat that uh, quote again today. So it's like, because it's kind of relevant to what I was just talking about. To, to create is to resist and to resist is to create. Um, which was uh, the phrase of the resistance fighters in the south of France when they were going up against the Nazis. But anyway, um, so I was in in resistance to inspiration when it came to writing, uh, writing this a novel that I I've done years ago. So I was after being told the story of my good friend's father and his concentration camp experiences and his and uncles in the resistance and much more. And, you know, they told me this wonderful story, so she did, and a horror yeah, and she just kind of looked at, I said, you know, that's a wonderful story, somebody should tell it, and, and she looked at me and she said, you should, you should write it, and, you know, I was in complete resistance, I hadn't been writing for a while, and... I said, just told her, I'd said, stop writing. She said, oh, we should start again then. <laughs> you know, that simple. Uh, so then I got home that evening, and it was going around my head a bit, what she'd said after driving for hours. And I was trying to uh, resist it and let it go out of my head, but then when I got back, I found Hessel's Time for Outrage, the book with that quote I just quoted, in our mailbox. And that doesn't sound too bizarre, but... Uh, it was because I'd completely forgotten about it, thinking it was lost in the post because I'd ordered it months before and it just never came. Which, you know, was a very strange, <laughs> strange inspirational moment because his is another story about a Jewish survivor and that quote again talking about resistance and creation, which I'd kind of flip, you know, you flip to the end of a book sometimes. It was the last quote on the book, and that was the first thing I read of that book. And I'm like, ah, okay, I get the message. And realized I was resistant. So I gave in and started writing the story every day, trying to put in a little bit of time to do it and be consistent. And that eventually became a novel inspired by both their lives. So inspiration can come in weird ways as well. Um, it could be something that happens to you. Something, some injustice, uh, especially some kind of injustice that, or some wrong that you want to right. And, you know, as soon as you want inspiration, it, it, it won't come. You know, it can't be forced. Um, it's another form of resistance backwards, you know. So you, you just do the work and follow your process and your rituals and it will come. Uh, being mulish like that lady I was talking to you about earlier um, so to to open to inspiration um, you have, we have to kind of train our minds to just shut up you know and to encourage our emotions to remember and then open our our insides you know insides to the sides uh, of love uh, the love of doing what what you love doing or what what you need to do and 
we basically have to get out of our minds, you know. You have to get out, of, like I talked about that before when I was talking about madness, getting out of your minds to be creative. Because when we get out of our minds, we get away from thoughts. And that means that we can get into our heart, into emotions. And the emotions of what it is we love to create and out of love then it's inspiration comes from there and this is not a want it's it's a it's a it's a basic need a simple need a want is the mind again and need is what we love and you know so it's um it's a very suggestive place that inspiration comes from so it's spirit's suggestive voice, the voice, the suggestive voice of spirit. It's far quieter than thoughts, and it's even it's even more powerful than emotions. That flow state, that that lightning strike, and indeed, as as Tolle said at the beginning, this is what inspiration means: in spirito, in spirit, when the spirit or soul speaks from inside us and it doesn't talk to us inside our head it's not that annoying ego mind uh, noise uh, telling you how crap you are <laughs> those walls to to inspiration and imagination it comes from a deeper quieter place on the inside of us not the outside uh, where we we hear that quiet voice and usually, it's usually, you know, in retrospect, it's usually, oh, it just came into my head. Or, or it suddenly hit me that. Uh, or, or it was like it came to me out of a dream. Or an actual dream that you remember. Um, or it came to me out of the blue. Or another one would be, um, like it suddenly dawned on me that, so it's these realizations. So inspiration is a realization as well, but it's that quiet voice of realization. And to open the doors to that form of creativity, um, routine and ritual and consistency creates it. So great creators open that door into what they hear, you know, into their spirit through their creations. So if we simply think of some of the some great creators, some of the ones that I've mentioned before, you know, when we think of this idea of spirit and a great uh, intensity, a spiritual intensity or strength or uh, inspirational creativity, somebody like Van Gogh or Tolstoy or any of these so-called uh, spiritual poets, um, uh, like Buddhist poets and artists uh, like Rumi or even from a Christian perspective somebody like St. John of the Cross so, and that list goes on and on so they all speak to or speak of spirit from spirit which is they're inspired and they write of it or they paint it or try to approximate it and as I was talking about before that you feel that emotional intensity when they're inspired to do this. So, so we don't know where inspiration comes from, but there's nothing like reading back 
over something you've written or or created and at least for me anyway i wonder uh to myself where the hell did that come from uh did i write that uh, that's when you know you were inspired because you can't even remember where the hell it came from and it doesn't look like something like it just it seems too powerful or to you anyway uh, that it's it's uh, it inspires you to continue writing or to continue creating because if you can have little small moments lightning strike moments of inspiration like that well then you're just gonna oh I gotta keep doing this gotta get this done so I can get more moments like that which are so elusive, but, uh, yeah, and then there's another thing, um, inspiration is not all of creation, which is kind of like what I've touched on before, it's, it's, it can be a starting point, it can, it can connect great pieces of work, it can, it can help close them, so when I talked about the description of, of the dancer, uh, lost, in the dance in that flow state it was in episode 17 there the the dancer and the dance and doing what you love i was trying to capture that passionate disconnected out of body uh, mental state of being when one uh, when a creator is caught up in the creative process and rising arising in some creators to something close to uh, the religiously ecstatic like the whirling dervishes that I talked about and as I've been saying this idea of this magical idea that is uh, uh, creators or people are so resistant to talking about um, those magical moments of in the act of creation uh, and they're unforgettable when they happen so it's kind of like a fix you know people keep on creating to get back to that moment you know because oh, i felt so good to just be lost in time to be lost in creativity like i've been saying struck by lightning as such those lightning moments but but this could only be the prefatory shape the beginnings you know of something and it's then for you to continue to be consistent and allow it to evolve and to grow. And because like when that fire of creation, when um, the imaginative fire cools and the coldness of thought has to reassess or que question where, we have to question where this creation is going, how to... Um, clarify it uh, like it, the alchemical inspiration has to has to has to become something that's um, formed out of the forms to be made whole as an Australian friend of mine remi reminded me recently uh, by quoting Yeats's great he quoted me uh, Yeats's gravestone epithet which is uh, for those of you who don't know it uh Cast a cold eye on life, on death. Horseman pass by. So it's that cl clarity, that coldness of the eye. To be able to see, to be able to see the wood from the trees. Uh, the, the, 
to to be able to focus in on what it is that you've you, what inspiration has come to you, and then to craft it together and to clarify it, the clarification process. And another analogy that Australian friend of mine used it was the small lock gate of C.S. Lewis, and that little lock gate of the inspiration or the imagination it leads you through down into and through the wall into the garden of the rose the imagination which is a beautiful way of looking at it because it goes very much back to all the stuff that i've been talking about of walls and doors into creativity and the imagination so the rose of imagination that that thing that grows and blooms and then is gone and that process takes so long and it lasts for such little time but then the rose can come back again but so it's that fire of the imagination that create that gives us inspiration and mozart actually in one of his letters talked about this kind of fire when he was talking about growth and inspiration he wrote about it when he said uh, his soul is on fire with inspiration. So again, that goes to spirit. So his soul is on fire with inspiration. So you mightn't form the whole thing in your head at once, like the whole <laughs> um, symphony or piece, or but the idea or book a series of paintings but the idea of the fire of inspiration being something that grows inside us is very important and getting back to that metaphor of the flower like a garden you plant the seed and the plant eventually flowers as it's nourished and it just takes time to blossom from inside and the best way to nurture our inspiration well we have to water water our creative process through ritual you know whether it's the garden our process we have to garden and create rituals so that we can so inspiration can blossom and you know uh rituals <laughs> kind of gives you this idea of uh well, an old way of looking at it would be set something kind of sacrificial, you know. You don't need to sacrifice a bleeding animal. But maybe you need to sacrifice something. Uh, you do need to have non-negotiable things, which means you need to have rituals or routines. And, of course, routine is not exciting. And it's repetitive. And repetition breeds frustration. It's boring, but if you want inspiration to appear, you have to appear first, and you have to be able to be bored. You have to accept the boredom, and you can't just expect to get inspired. And so, so I suppose the second question to ask after understanding the word of inspiration is, is what is your creative routine and if you don't have one then you need to create one um, because it means being predictable and you know you've got to get it yourself into your office or studio or shed at the same time 
or for the same amount of time or on the same day um, consistently. There's, there has to be some consistency to create a practice. Um, for example, some composers uh, get into composing by starting with a back piece. You know, they'll start playing it on a piano. And some writers start transposing notebooks into the computer from those lightning flash moments that they've transposed or tra written into a notebook. They then start from there as they start typing into the computer. And that brings and bleeds into something else. So another start where they left off the day before, like Hemingway or Steinbeck. And that's the way they create their routine. It's just to keep going on and keep going through it and getting to the end. Uh, Hemingway also had another ritual of uh, standing, as he wrote. And then he'd get his stuff typed out. Again, whatever way you do it, that's up to you. But it's, it's just another habit or ritual that got him into his daily work. So... You know, that's uh, if you take somebody like Thomas Edison, uh, at the end of a day before he go to bed every night, he'd had the ritual of asking advice from his subconscious. Uh, you know, he could be asking your advice from the muses or whoever, whatever it is. Again, getting back to that word that I mentioned earlier, is it is it the Blakey and Holy Spirit? Is it uh, for Edison the subconscious? The question he or you are trying to answer that day uh, before going to sleep. So, and of course, why did he do that? Well, because for him, when he did that, he usually always had the answer the following morning. It just came to him, and he scribbled it in a notebook. So as much as society says not to, um, I think it's pretty, pretty important to engage the esoteric, as they might call it, you gotta switch off your left to right brain by by lighting a candle or repeating a mantra or have a literal invocation like Homer did to the muses. And you know, because because they work. Rituals and routines work. They allow inspiration to show up, to flow, and afterwards to make sense and art. Uh, a creation out of inspiration. So thanks for listening. I started with a quote from a German author, uh, but I, as always, I'm gonna I'm gonna end with a kind of funny Irish proverb, uh, which is pretty. It's kind of relevant to what we're talking about, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, this one means an empty sack does not stand so you know if you don't put in the time the sack won't stand and the inspiration won't come <laughs> so an empty sack does not stand ni hasian sack full of so again that's ni hasian sack full of so this podcast is as I always say supported by you uh, the listener uh, via my Patreon page uh, this ain't no radio show. Uh, there's no advertisers paying for this, and uh, which is great because then nobody's telling me what I need to be saying. 
checking it out. Um, well, I'm not cursing or anything on it, you know, so I suppose that's a plus, but, you know, it's independent. Just saying what I think uh, or what I've gleaned from speaking to people over the years. So anyway, if you want to support the podcast and help me get paid for doing it, uh, then head over to patreon.com forward slash John Fanning. That's John with a H. And if you can't afford it, that's fine as well, you know. Um, you know, the classic chamomile tea, pint of Guinness routine, if you felt like you would have enjoyed listening to me for the last 40 minutes or so, if you'd like to have had a conversation about these things, uh, inspiration and rituals. So, yeah, if you can't afford it, that's grand too, but just, just try and subscribe to it or get other people to subscribe to it on iTunes. Because there's people out there that really could benefit from some of the stuff that I'm talking about. Because I know I did when other people told me. So just please pass it on, you know. Um, I want to help help people, and which I'll talk about later on, this idea of benevolence. But thanks for listening. Uh, if you're looking for more episodes, you can find them all in the usual places like iTunes or on my website at johnfanning.me. Uh, just hit the out podcast tab. And if you're into all that social stuff, uh, please follow me on Instagram at John Fanning underscore or there's the Twitter thing as well, Fanning underscore J. And, and so it's been fun sharing this. Uh, take care of yourself out there and start creating those rituals so you can start getting inspired and creating something beautiful. So... And above all, uh, try to be ben- as benevolent as you can out there. And Sean Liv, August Gunnarian Bowerliff.